Veju de rotwa jajake, sedotwalo rotwa jijaje agiri o teto fiche. Welcome to Conlanger, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me in Maine, we have Mike Lentine. Hello. And uh, we have a special guest today uh, from the Netherlands. We have uh, Christophe Grancier-Kuvitz. Goedenavond. <laughs> That's good evening in Dutch. Ah, okay. <laughs> Someone tried to teach me Dutch a little bit, but I, I only learned... I can only remember a few things like uh, who is het, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, it it is a fun language, right. but it's something for maybe for another uh, uh, episode of the podcast. <laughs> oh well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Christoph, this is your first time on the show. We're not going to talk yes. about any of your languages specifically, but why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? How you got into conlanging and such? Okay, I'll try to keep it short, which is not that easy for me. Um, <laughs> Um, basically, I uh, started conlang- conlanging because I was uh, uh, bored during Latin classes at school, in uh, junior high school. Basically, everybody was uh, uh, painfully trying to learn some things, and I was quite ahead. I found Latin quite an, uh, uh, a nice language to learn, so I was always ahead. So they were working very hard translating things. I've been, I was done for a long time, and I thought... Well, what am I going to do? I had learned about Esperanto, so I knew that people had made languages before, and I thought, well, that sounds like fun. I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, my first languages were basically relaxes of Latin, mm-hmm. which I uh, uh, simplified by, for, for instance, putting uh, all those declension groups by gender, mm-hmm. because I thought that was more logical. <laughs> But uh, I, uh, well, basically, I started like that and I carried on. And as, uh, as I learned about languages, my, uh, I uh, started uh, really doing some conlanging more seriously. And then something like in uh, 1997, 98, which is quite a long time ago, I first had the possibility to go on the internet. It was <laughs> that newfangled thing at that time. Yeah. And uh, after a while, after the, uh, uh, looking for uh, Esperanto communities, I I learned Esperanto via internet. Uh, I discovered the uh, the Conlang mailing list, mm-hmm. and uh, as I was reading through the uh, the uh, small archives that were available at that time, I thought. I was basically uh, uh, so impressed that there were so many people who were also making conlangs for uh, for fun, like me. Mm-hmm. I always thought that the only ones who did that were uh, because they were paid to do it or because they wanted to cre- uh, to to uh, bring in world peace. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one who did it only for fun. But it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was so nice that I decided to uh, to join nearly immediately. Uh, first thought I'd be uh, lurking for a while, and then uh, uh, basically couldn't couldn't stop and started. Uh, uh, I introduced myself nearly immediately, and the rest is history. I've been uh, quite active on the conlang list for so that's basically for uh, 15 years, 16 years with ah. uh, 
with uh, on and off periods. Yeah. If you are on the Conlang list at all, you probably know uh, Christoph. He's he's the guy who corrects everybody on French. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been doing too, uh, lately, yes. Or who gets into all kinds of uh, 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 weird uh, uh, flames. I used to... I've, I've tried to, to stop that nowadays, but... Uh, I used to be uh, quite uh, uh, a flame attractor, I think, for a while. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, you are a native speaker of French, so you have a good, um, you have a very good insight on it that that is different from like the the sort of schoolboy French that a lot of the people on the list know. So I think that's useful. But anyway, we are not talking about French. We are not talking about Dutch, though both of those are very interesting. Someday we may actually do French, as much as I've I've avoided learning it and such. There's things I've heard about French that interest me. But this episode, we are talking about, and there's several different names for this language, but uh, I'm going to call it, we're going to call it Basque or Euskera. Now... Uh the official name in the uh, in the Basque country in the Spanish Basque country is Euskara. Euskara. Yeah, Euskara is in some uh, dialects, and then you have the North, which likes to do things differently, calls it Esquara. Yeah, it, that's that's an interesting one. I've never heard. I've heard I've heard Euskara and Euskera. A lot of uh, Spanish speakers call it Euskera or or just Basco. Um, so, all right, just a, a quick note. I lost power for a second, and it took me a little bit of time to get the internet back running. Uh, there's, there's some issue because I plugged my, my laptop directly into a modem. For some reason, it doesn't like to give it valid IP addresses. So, but anyway, uh, for listeners, that will just be a weird jump, but, uh, yeah. We had several minutes where we lost contact. Well, Christoph and I were still typing, but uh, we lost. We lost George. We lost our. Um, yeah, we lost you basically. Yes. Well, that that will not be on the recording. <laughs> but, oh, uh, outtakes! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, no, they won't hear me. Uh, you won't hear me in outtakes freaking out over my internet getting lost either because uh, <laughs> unfortunately my recording program relies on Skype. So oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, so, back, to Basque. Yeah. back to the Basque. Where were we? Um I believe yours well, I think we had already talked about what the name of ba- how the, the speakers of Basque say Basque and how Spanish and Spanish talk about it. And I think well, we were talking about the the different names: Basque, Euskara, Euskera, Esquara. Mm-hmm. What do they call it in France? We yeah, haven't basically. really gone into it much. I think we could just sort of start out with a little bit of sort of typological overview. So Basque is um, it's an isolate, as far as anybody can tell. It's uh, non-Indo-European. Many people think that it was um, that uh, that um, the uh, ancestors of the Basque were there before Indo-Europeans came to Europe. That's correct. Uh, but it's 
kind of a mystery where it came from as far as uh, genetic relationships. Would would I be right about that? It's, uh, well, it, uh, uh, genetic studies have shown that the Basque have some differences from uh, the surrounding Indo-European people who live there. But there's been so much uh, mixing that it's it's kind of lost. Some people have said that they are the uh, the last remnants of the original European Cro-Magnons, but uh, there's much too uh, too much mix to to say that for uh, to say that for sure. There is something. They, yeah. uh, we know for sure that they were there before the Indo-Europeans came, but how how long before that we don't know. Yeah, I I I would because um, Cro-Magnon. Cro-Magnons, those were, that would be, what, that would be, what, tens of thousands of years ago. I don't think you could reliably say that any, any language has been in one place for that long. No, indeed. But it is very interesting. The, the, uh, language is different. Um, it's most famous for being an ergative language. It's sort of like the go-to example of ergativity for many people. But there's a lot of other things that are interesting about it. And um, I don't know. Maybe you could point out more of the, the typological stuff, since you're very familiar. Christoph does yeah. not speak Basque, but he has basically studied Basque for a very long time, I understand. Yeah, and yeah, nearly on and off for twenty years, basically. Yes, it's uh, it's I mean, kind of uh, it's it's it was my uh, basically the language where which made me fell, fall in love with linguistics, basically. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Now, uh, have you had most of your experience from books, or have you also heard Basque spoken? Uh, only in recordings, but uh, oh. uh, and I once watched a bit of a Basque movie. Mm -hmm. but uh didn't watch it until the end because it was far too late but mm -hmm. uh, uh i've listened to it it's, it's a very it's 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 uh, it sounds extremely weird <laughs> it's uh but uh, but it's mostly from books from books mm -hmm. the internet basically everything i could get uh, my hands on to read <laughs> but uh yes. about the typology of basque uh, basically the interesting part of it is that uh basque has from as far as we the historical record goes, uh, there have been Basque people for more than two thousand years in an unbroken chain. Hmm. It's uh, uh, th there is a language called that linguists nowadays call Proto-Basque that was spoken around the same area as Basque is spoken today, except hmm. slightly bigger, slightly bigger area before the uh, the Romans came there. Yeah, and uh, we should say just just for clarity, speak. Basque is spoken nowadays in a a small region that sort of straddles Spain and France, called yeah. Basque Country or Escalheria. Yeah, so. that's cor that's correct. It's uh, on the the Atlantic side, uh, on the Atlantic coast, and it's most it's an area that is bit in the north of the Pyrenees. And uh, a bigger bit in the south of them. Yeah, in in Spain, it's one of their uh, autonomous communities, but I yeah. don't know what political affiliation they have in in France. None, none at all. They are not. They don't even have a department. It's it has no recognition at all. 
huh. which is uh, it is, is is quite a big shame. But France is well known for not recognizing any language or any uh, identity besides the French one. Yeah, that's that is a shame. I I, I rather like the way that that um, Spain handles multilingualism, but that's that's a, an entire an entirely different topic. But but basically to carry on 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 Basque, one of the uh, thing I want to uh, uh, to mention immediately is that uh, basically the only reason the Basque language has survived until now is that it is ex- it's basically the cornerstone of the Basque identity. Mm-hmm. The the Basque people call themselves uh, Euskaldun, which uh, uh, you translate as Basque person. But it's basically, it literally means somebody who possesses the Basque language. Mm. Mm. And uh, Euskal Heria, the name of the country, indeed, Basque country, means country of the Basque language. Mm. So uh, they have always, for uh, yeah, for more than 2,000 years, put a lot of uh, their feeling of uh, national identity into their language. Mm-hmm. Which basically the, uh, I think, otherwise such a small community, because now, even nowadays, uh, that Basque is basically growing, it's still spoken by less than a million people. Mm. Mm. So, uh, and, uh, but it's, it's, it's quite lively. It's not really in danger of, uh, disappearing. That, that, that is encouraging. And in Spain, they have official support. So that's, yes. that's a good thing. Definitely. Uh, so let's start getting really into the actual language. So um, we usually start looking at uh, phonology. Um, we can see, I, I'm looking here, it seems really not that um, interesting a phonology. Uh, there's quite a lot of uh, friction, but not really mu- that much more than what English has. So, um, What do you mean by friction? Uh, fricatives and affricates. Oh, okay. It has, um, it has, it, basically, it's, uh, what's interesting is that it doesn't have, uh, very weird, uh, uh, sounds in there. There are no clicks. There are only the five cardinal vowels, like in Spanish, basically. But it still has some, uh, interesting tricks. In yeah. terms of, yeah, in terms of sounds, for instance, in terms of fricatives, it has, uh, uh, a phonemic distinction between two forms of s mm-hmm. that's yes, a basically okay. uh, yeah it has well uh, if you know a bit about the uh, phonetic uh, uh, details of french and castilian spanish you would know that the french s is uh, lamin laminodental so it's pronounced with the blade of the tongue against uh, the uh, the upper teeth well the gum behind the the upper teeth while the Castilian Spanish S is apico alveolar, so it's pronounced with the tip of the tongue a little further than that. Yeah, and basically and Basque has both of them phonemic. That that is interesting. The um, the 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 Castilian Spanish S is actually almost close to like a sh sound because uh, I think that's sort of developed partially to distinguish it from the th sound. Yeah, but since Basque has sh as a phoneme, it it hasn't gone that far. So it yeah, stays but... it stays somewhere in between the 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 laminodental that French has and the postalveolar sh. Yeah, so sh. you have you have sh and uh, maybe a s and a s. 
Yeah, and it's very difficult to hear the difference. It's 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 that's very interesting, and that same distinction occurs in in the Africans. So that's yes, that's um, that is a particularly interesting uh piece of information. Um, yeah, uh, I've not seen another language that has that close of uh a distinction. I I I speak Mandarin, which has a three-way sibilant distinction, but they're further apart because there's a there's a, a retroflex. So yeah. I know but, the the languages of Australia tend to be very uh, uh, busy in the coronal area. Mm-hmm. So, but but that's the only ones I know who have got such close uh, phonemic distinctions. And and it's a, and it's a, a one which keeps on because uh, there is only one dialect, one of the smaller dialects, which has lost it. The rest have kept it very much alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also you know an oddity in that there's this this um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and there's a palatal voiced fricative. That's the only voiced fricative, but it says mostly voiced. Is that like, is there like some allophony or something, or is it? Like- well, oh, that's the infamous, uh, uh, what's, what's written by, uh, as, uh, J in, uh, in Basque. There are different, depends on the dialect, basically. Uh, um, officially, in a, a unified Basque, it's supposed to be pronounced like, the, like, um, yeah. uh, an approximant. Yeah. Basically, yeah, okay, yeah. But, but it, depe- de- depending on the dialect, it goes from j to h to indeed y. Uh, it has various uh, pronunciations, and everybody speaks it like uh, uh, as their dialect does. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting that h is a, is is one variant of that. That's yeah. basically the dialects that are spoken uh, uh, in the southernest area of the Basque Country, the closest to the to uh, to, Sp- to the Spanish yeah. language. Uh, I almost order. I almost wonder if um if that's an aerial effect because Spanish had a sound change where sh and j became ch. So it's, it's probably is Basque yeah. Basque and 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 Spanish and uh, all the Romance languages share a lot of aerial effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, uh, Spanish doesn't like uh, initial clusters, you know. Uh, uh, Latin spiritu yes. became espiritu, and basically Basque has the same problem with uh, in initial clusters. Uh, uh, from uh, Basque has a lot of uh, of borrowings from Latin and other Romance languages, and for instance, they have. Um, uh, uh, flower from Latin uh, florem in Basque has become lore. Mm. With an L, the the F has completely disappeared. Yeah, that that's one thing that I have heard before. That um, here, according to this phonology, um, Basque has F, but at one point maybe it didn't, and or or is it that some cases of F became H? Um, um, it's again an aerial effect. Yeah, um, because I know that I know that Spanish has many. It's sort of irregular, but there are many instances of um, of Latin F becoming Spanish H and then being dropped. That's that's why you get so many spellings with the silent H at the beginning. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's correct, and it's again an aerial effect because Gascon, which is um, uh, basically an Occitan language, which is spoken in the same area as the uh, northern uh, Basque country, 
uh, has that uh, that f initial f becoming h for all cases. Unlike uh, Spanish, which kept it in some cases, it lost it in all cases. So it's it's really an aerial effect. That's a very interesting sort of illustration of what what conlayers could do with aerial effects. If you have sort of the geography mapped out, you can sort of draw an area around and say, okay, within this area, you get a cluster of similar sound changes that end up with this particular sort of pattern going on. Yeah, and the fun fun part is that the languages don't have to be related at all. Right, right, because obviously Basque Basque is like unlike anything else, and uh, it's very unique in Europe. Yes, um, the there are some theories as to where Basque came from, but none of them really have firm data, as far as I understand. And a few of them are, frankly, quite quite ridiculous. But oh, very crackpotty. Yes, yes. that's that's uh, a. a, a th- yeah, if, if there are even some that uh, that pretend that the Basque are, are descendants of aliens, that goes that far. <laughs> Just, I mean, there are legitimate, you know, historical linguists working on the problem as well. Yeah. But uh, this one warning I will give people: if you are researching the history of ba- Basque, do be wary of crackpots, and you'll probably spot them immediately once you know once once you see them. But uh, there are a few. Annoying ones. Uh, so let's go a little bit further. Um, enough about sort of history and phonology. There's a lot of more, a, a lot of other interesting, uh, bits to, to cover about, you know, stress and whatnot. But the morphology is, I think, what a lot of people are interested in when they look at mask. Uh, the, we have here, a little bit about the Basque case system, which I'm trying to find here again. Good luck. <laughs> well, basically, you have to realize Basque is very much an agglutinative language, right? Which uh, with it's some bits of synthesis in it. So mm-hmm. it has, um, well, basically, it has at least a dozen cases. Depends on who's counting how many cases it has. But it's difficult to you. You can't really talk about a, um, a declension system. It's 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 it goes. It's more complicated than that. There's a lot of edge cases. But uh, first, one important thing we haven't mentioned yet is that Basque, uh, alone of all uh, Western European languages, is an ergative absolutely absolutive language. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a very strict one as that. As that. It's uh, so it's it's not it's not like those wishy-washy languages that are split ergative, and uh, are only ergative for uh, uh, for basically uh, uh, some inanimate uh, uh, nouns and ap- nominative absolutes for the rest. No, it's basically ergative, and that's it. Yeah, that's my, my understanding is that. At least morphologically speaking, it's entirely ergative. Yes, uh, uh, we can come back to the syntactic uh, ergativity later, but that their things are much more complicated. Mm-hmm. You can't even say that it's not syntactically uh, ergative. So, uh, but so basically, it has uh, uh, absolutive, which marks the subject of the intransitive verb and the object of the transitive verb. And the subject of the transitive verb is marked by a special case, which is called the ergative case. 
Uh, otherwise, it has got uh, a lot of uh, what you could call core cases. You have a, a dative. Uh, then you have a, a, what they, most Basque linguists call associative, which is for uh, with. Uh, you've got a benefactive. You've got a motivational, which kind of mixes uh, uh, causative, some cases of consequences. It's, it's kind of complicated. You have an instrumental. And then, uh, and all those cases work a bit in the, in the same, in, in the same way. Basically, you, you add uh, a suffix on the noun. You usually also add a mark. Um, oh, yeah. The one thing to, to indicate is that Basque has a three-way uh, number distinction. Mm-hmm. It has an uh, unmarked number form, which is basically the, uh, you add the cases directly on the, on the stem. You have a, a, a singular definite, which is marked by a suffix uh, a. Mm-hmm. And a plural definite, which is marked by a suffix a, except in the absolutive case, which takes uh, the form ac. Okay. But, um, but, and that's for the core cases. And then you've got the, the fun part, which is the, uh, lo- the local case system, which is completely different. <laughs> It, uh, it makes a distinction that nowhere else in Basque is made. It makes a distinction between animate and inanimate uh, nouns. They take different uh, uh, f- forms for the, before the case endings. And it doesn't take those uh, that uh, nice uh, article R or A. It instead takes, um, before the case ending, you have a ta infix. You could nearly call it a, a, a ta element before the case in the indefinite case, in indefinite uh, number. Uh, in the singular, you add the, the cases directly, no article, uh, no, no suffix article. And in the plural, the, uh, the element becomes eta and then the, uh, the case endings. Wow. And that's for the inanimate nouns because animate nouns are com- more complicated the first are um, basically uh, declined for the genitive case which mm-hmm. ends in in n they take uh, a gan element which we people think uh, historically we think has meant something like place or something like that and then only comes the the local case ending mm-hmm Wow. And and it makes this inanimate versus animate distinction only in the local cases. That's why I say I said that it's com- you can't simply call talk about a declension system. It's it's more complicated than that. And then I don't I haven't gone through the um <clears throat> the issue with the uh, uh place names which are slightly different again. <laughs> so it's uh, it's 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 uh it's, it's very interesting, but it's, it's, it's extreme. It's a very fluid system, which, uh, uh, you see it also with the, the fact that some cases have uh, more than one forms. Uh, the, uh, the associative is ekin, but it mm-hmm. can be lengthened into, uh, ekila without changing meaning. It's just whatever sounds best. But the allative is, uh, mostly ra. But it can be uh, lengthened into Rhino, 
which is uh, not an allative but a terminative. It means uh, up to, until. Mm -hmm. So it has all kinds of those nice, uh, uh, fun things. <laughs> and uh, then there is the uh, the case ending co, which is my favorite. It's um, basically all the grammars have called it the uh, uh, locative genitive. Because it was mostly, it's most, well, one of its uses is with names of, uh, uh, of places, um, to, for some, when you want to say some, uh, someone from, uh, from Bilbao, a man from Bilbao, you say, uh, Bilbao in Basque is Bilbo. Mm -hmm. You add the co ending and then man, which is Gisona in this case. So Bilbo, Bilboco Gisona. And uh, mm. uh, and it behaves a bit like a like a genitive because it forms noun modifiers, but it's not a genitive because a possessive genitive uh, Basque also have a, has a possessive genitive and it ends indeed in n. It's so not used in this case. It divides up those roles of a genitive. But and the co the interesting part about co is that it's used in many other cases, not only uh, local, but. And that's the thing that blew my mind when I first read about it. You can add it to nouns that are already declined. Mm -hmm. hmm. uh, the, the first example I had is that the instrumental, which is just S, is, uh, is used with names of materials to, uh, to tell in which material something was made. For instance, with ure, you make ures, which means in gold. Ure means gold, ures in gold. And that's with a case uh, ending. Uh, yes, it's uh, in in writing. It's a Z, it's a Z, mm -hmm. but the Z is from is is basically that uh, laminodental uh, S. So uh, the instrumental uh, uh, S forms uh, is used with materials to to say in which material something is made. So you get from ure gold, you get ures in gold, made in gold, ah. and and if you want to say that uh, something is golden. So made in gold. You can't add just that to a noun because it's an uh, adverbial phrase, but you can add co to it, uresco, and that you can add to a noun. So ah. I, I even have an example with, uh, how is it called? Um, uh, let me think. Let, let me ch check it. Where is the, the example I had? <laughs> can't find it anymore. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Uresco Eratuna, which means the golden ring. Hmm. I'm not telling why I chose, I chose that, uh, that example, but, uh, hmm. so, so basically, uh, you can add co to any already declined form to make it into a noun modifier, mm -hmm. except the absolutive, the, the ergative and the dative cases. You can't, uh, uh, add co to them, but all the other ones you can. That's, an interesting bit. So there's there's a little, quite a bit of sort of piling on case suffixes. What? Oh yes. Uh, suffix aufnahme or whatever. Um, it's it's called uh, suffix aufnahme is a phenomenon of um, uh, of agreement. Whereas in this case, uh, it's not really agreement. It's more uh, changing the changing uh, the meaning. Yeah, making an adverbial phrase into a, a, a noun modifier. Uh, it's uh, it's what a, a French linguist called surdeclinaison, which means basically over inflection. Mm, okay. Just to be simple. That's the, 
that's 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 uh, that's cute. It goes further than that with uh, sur déclinaison. You've got your your genitive phrases, whether local genitive with uh, uh, with that co-ending or the normal genitive with n, and uh, you can um, basically um, you add them to to nouns to other nouns. You can omit the nouns that you add them to. Just keep the uh, the article and put that article directly on the noun modifier. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you take uh, something like um, uh, I had a nice example with uh, a genitive noun phrase, a possessive genitive. If you take a nire aitaren etchea, which means my father's house, really uh, 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 in the same order. Nire means my. It's it's the genitive of a ni, which is I. Uh, aitaren is the genitive of aita, father. And etchea is the house. You can make it into nire aitarena, which means my father's, my father's one. Mm-hmm. And then you can go further. You can you can put an a on nire, make nirea mine. You can do that with uh, possessive genitives, but also with this uh, local genitive. So if you have Bilboko Gisona, the example I had, the man from uh, of uh, Bilbao, you can form in the plural uh, Bilbokoak, which means the inhabitants of Bilbao. Mm. Going back to my example of Uresco uh, Erastuna, the golden ring, you can make Urescoa, the golden one. Wow. So you can do a lot of things just with the case suffixes sort of derivationally. Yeah, uh, there was a, uh, an example that uh, one of, uh, of Père Lafitte, which was a priest, but also during the 60s, one of the most uh, well-known uh, Basque grammarians. He studied the Basque language a lot. He said he once overheard uh, a mother asking to her child, who was, I think, six, year, six seven years old, uh, she was as ver- uh, mothers who saw their child uh, uh, running in the street a bit uh, worried and asked to the child, who are you uh, playing with? And the child, who was six, answered with this nice uh, uh, f- uh, word, basically. He said, Poneta rekila koerekin. It means, literally, with the one... That wears the beret. Huh. <laughs> wow. There's basically, uh, poneta means a beret, and the rest is all suffixes. Beret? You mean beret? Beret, or yeah, b- sorry. Could be a beret, like a hair beret, like some for your hair. No, b- a beret, the Basque, <laughs> uh, Basque beret, the, the well-known Basque, uh, uh, kind of cap. Hat. Yeah. Oh, Hat. okay. That's interesting. That's very uh, interesting. Maybe, um, so clearly this is highly agglutinating language, yes. particularly in nouns. Uh, why don't we move along and, and talk about verbs a minute? I've heard um, some very interesting things about verbs and verb auxiliaries in Basque that, that, sound, that sound very interesting to, to uh, talk about. Yeah, the... The main thing about Basque is that it only has a handful of conjugated verbs, basically, left. In in the past, he had more. But most verbs in Basque don't conjugate at all. all. Mm -hmm. They only exist in non-finite forms. 
and to, for conjugation, they take they must take an auxiliary. Mm-hmm. Now, which auxiliary they take depends on whether the verb is transitive or intransitive. Uh, oh, okay. Intransitive in verb, and that's very strict, uh, but more complicated again because some verbs uh, are uh, you have a difference between what is morphologically transitive and what is uh, uh, semantically transitive or not. That's thing get complicated. But morphologically speaking, uh, uh, intransitive verbs take the auxiliary isan, which mm. basically means to be, to exist. That's very much the same uh, uh, semantics as uh, Spanish ser. Okay. Uh, transitive verbs take an, auxiliary, an auxiliary that most linguists called uh, edun, but that's a reconstructed form. Uh, different dialects have actually uh, uh, a different dictionary form for it. Uh, uh, some dialects call it uh, uh, ukan, but uh, most dialects just call it isan, just to make things com- things complicated. So basically, they call the 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 verb to be and the or the uh, other uh, auxiliary, which basically means to have. They call it, they call them the same way. But they have different paradigms, I'm presuming. They have different paradigms to focus only on the periphrastic verbs, because the synthetic verbs, there are, there are a few left, like etorri, which means uh, to come, is still synthetic, in, not in all its uh, conjugations, but in many. Yoan, uh, which means to, uh, to go, has the same egin, which means to do or to make, is also mostly synthetic still. So very uh, er- high-frequency words. Obviously. Yeah, eraman, to give, has also a few synthetic forms left. But uh, um, most other f- uh, other verbs only conjugate uh, periphrastically, and uh, then comes the fun part, which is the periphrastic conjugations. Uh, verbs f- uh, uh, in Basque uh, mark for uh, aspect. We've got perfect, imperfective, and uh, a, a form which one could call prospective. You come to call it an aspect, but basically marks the future. That's marked on the non-finite forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the dictionary forms form by the way which I, I've been using so far it's basically the perfect participle that's mm-hmm. the dictionary form right. so again doesn't mean uh, uh, to do to make but bas- it means done or made oh okay yeah. that's a that's that's a minor but a an, a, a an interesting point to to make for conlangers you don't have to use the same sort kinds of citation forms that languages you're familiar with do yeah. because you can you can it's just whatever is convenient will end up being chosen as a citation form yeah but then we come to the uh, to the auxiliaries mm-hmm. and the auxiliaries mark for tense you've got present and past mm-hmm. or basically non-past and past mood it's got an indicative a subjunctive a potential which basically mean uh, can, be able to, can. An imperative, conditional is sometimes considered also a separate mood. Hypothetical, which is a form which is used for, uh, 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 for conditions, is sometimes called a separate tense, sometimes a separate mood. People are not quite sure where to put it. Others just put it as a suffix on the verb. And then it marks for person. Mm-hmm. First singular, second singular, uh, has a distinction between, um, well, basically familiar, polite, but it's actually quite different, but let's call it for that. Uh, third singular, 
first plural, second plural, third plural, for the absolutive argument, the ergative argument for transitive verbs, and the dative argument if it's present. Oh, okay. So wait a minute. So uh, this is polypersonal agreement? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah, I found the I found the Wikipedia on they have a little small section on Basque polypersonal agreement. So so the absolutive argument, the irrigative argument if it's there, and and possibly the dative argument. So you could even because that's an interesting thing because many times ergative languages, if they uh many times ergative languages will be nominative in terms of verb agreement, but it looks like Basque is not that way. It's definitely not. It's extremely ergative even in its uh, um, in, in, in its verb forms. Except, and that's a weird thing, in the, uh, in the past tense of transitive verbs, when the object, so basically the absolutive argument is third person, Suddenly, the the marks that normally mark the the absolutive uh, argument mark the ergative argument. What a bizarre random <laughs> it, is, it is very random and bizarre. It's uh, uh, but it's it's uh, yeah it's 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 extremely weird. So, but so it's it's wait a uh, it's, go over that again. It was it's third person. If the third person, uh, uh, well, basically, if if your verb is transitive, because you need to have a negative and an absolutive argument, and the the object, the absolutive argument is third person, then the norm, the marks that the marks that normally mark the absolutive uh, mark the ergative argument. Okay, so it basically becomes nominative in that particular case which is really an odd place to have it because it is very it is very odd and uh, nobody knows exactly why that is but it's, yeah. the, it's how it is Nor the, normally like first and second person would be would be become what become nominatively marked before a third person and then for the it de to depend on the object is like completely out of out yeah. of the continuum i think it, it's 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 very weird now <laughs> The, uh, if you look at the, the charts of, uh, of verbs, you, you will think, wow, that many forms. It's, it, it's impossible to remember. But actually, and that's, uh, nearly incredible. But, uh, when I read about it, when I read the analysis, it made a lot of sense. Basque verbs are extremely regular. <laughs> Thank God. The only irregularities are, uh, small cases of suppletions, but the affixes that are added are always all the same. Really? With, yeah, with the caveat that there are all kinds of, um, uh, uh, morphophonic, phonemic changes going on. Ah, uh, okay. It's a case of, um, what I'm, I call the regular irregularity, where exactly. of, it looks irregular, but it's not. It, 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 it's exactly that. The, basically, you've got uh, verbs, have, you have got your root, which uh, um, you take from the, how you call that, from, uh, from the dictionary form, 
you remove the ending, which can be an N or an E or a 2 for most verbs, actually. Uh, you, in some verbs, you also remove a prefix, which is usually A of E, mm -hmm. but only a few verbs as that. And then you've got your, your root. And then you add a, a prefix, which marks both tense and the absolutive argument. Okay. And then you've got a series of suffixes. You've got in order, uh, um, you, you've got the, um, well, you basically, you've got, if it's things are simple, you've got a suffix which marks the uh, ergative argument. Mm -hmm. When there's a dative argument, it comes before the ergative argument, but uses the same prefixes. It cannot appear without an ergative, uh, well, it, it can appear without an ergative argument, but only in intransitive verbs, so you cannot never uh, uh, mix things up. Then you've got a suffix for the past tense, which when it's there, it's always the last thing. And, so, and then you've got some fun parts is that uh, verbs also mark, always mark for the plural, plurality of the absolutive argument. So not only with what's on the prefix, but with also uh, another element, which depending on the verb can be a suffix a prefix, or an infix. <laughs> Sounds easy enough, right? <laughs> uh, most, uh, it's only for the, uh, it's only for the, of course, for the synthetic uh, verbs, so your auxiliaries and the few synthetic verbs. There are a few, you just need to know which one goes with which verbs. It's, uh, and it changes when you have a dative argument or not. When you have a dative argument, it, it's usually an other uh, affix than when you don't have it just to make things complicated. And then you've got uh, another suffix which is added to mark for the plurality of the second person plural. <laughs> because otherwise on the, vo on the verb, it sounds exactly, uh, it, uh, it's at the same, uh, I mean, for the absolutive argument, because otherwise it has the same form as the second person singular uh, formal. Wow. So just, you just add an extra one. Yeah, just add an extra thing to just say this is not the second person singular formal, but this is the second person plural. Can Basically, that's the, that's the, that thing is new. And then there's one more thing that I haven't added, but you you need to know about is the uh, the allocative forms, mm -hmm. which basically, if you're talking to someone, if your listener is someone that you would uh, address using the second person singular familiar, basically. Um, you need, and they are not part of one of those three arguments that can appear on the verb, they still have to appear on the verb. <laughs> you need to add them. And that's mandatory. Oh, wow. So it adds another, another suffix. And that's something that I forgot to add, but uh, that suffix and also the ergative and uh, dative uh, suff uh, suffixes make a distinction for gender in the second person's familiar, singular, naturally, naturally. That the only place in the whole Basque language where they make a masculine-feminine distinction. <laughs> this language has a lot of, like, odd, like, oh, it does this only in this one segment. Yeah. And um, this is all, and this is all productive and it's not being uh, leveled uh, out at all. It's, it's, there are no analogical, analogical th things that are 
removing those things. Actually, this whole thing I've been talking about, the second uh, familiar, second uh, formal, and second plural, is actually a really recent phenomenon. Mm. It's new. All wow. those things that they've added, those complications, they've added them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about this... Um... The, the second person pronouns in the solidarity form. Okay, yeah. Uh, so basically like a lot of European languages, you have, what is it, two forms of, for, of the second person pronoun that are sort of formal and familiar, but it's not exactly the same sort of like emotional distance that you usually see in European languages, right? No, it's, 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 it's quite different. Basically, in European languages, like basic French has it with the tu and vous, uh, Spanish has tu and usted, mm-hmm. uh, you have this, uh, the unmarked form, the tu is the familiar form, and you have a marked form which marks for basically politeness, indeed, emotional distance. Uh, Basque is mm-hmm. the opposite. The, uh, the, what I've been calling the second person formal is actually the, the default. It's the unmarked one. It's called su. Mm-hmm. The pronoun is su. And it's, un, it's basically unmarked for politeness or anything. And then you've got he, which is the second, uh, person familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it marks basically for what, uh, uh, one linguist, uh, uh called, uh, uh, Rudolf de Reich. Which is, happens to be a Dutch linguist, which has been very busy with uh, uh, with Basque for uh, deca- uh, really de- decades, calls uh, uh, it encodes solidarity, and basically it's not solidarity as we mean it as being uh, 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 as being terms. It's solidarity in the sense of uh, living in similar conditions. Hmm. You have to, it's very much deep, depends on an understanding of the Basque uh, culture, which is extremely e- egalitarian. It was egalitarian even in a time when equality between people was not considered uh, standard. Mm-hmm. You have to know that even during the Middle Ages, uh, Basque people tended to treat their w- women, for instance, as uh, perfectly equal to men. They could inherit they could take on uh, high positions. There, there were women uh, judges. There were women who were w- doing nearly anything. Heads of, of, of villages could be women. It was not always, but it was quite common. And uh, so this idea of uh, living in similar conditions is quite important, which means that this he form is used basically... Um, well, basically with colleagues which do basically the same work as you're doing, you will use he with each other. You will never use he with your boss. You will always use su. But your boss will always use su as well. He will not use a familiar form unlike they, do, they would do, for instance, in French or in Spanish. They, it, will, it, it will stay uh, uh, symmetric. Oh, the, this idea of living in similar conditions is so important that uh, people with an age difference uh, more than 15 years, basically, will never use he with each other, even if they would be what we would call best friends. They will never use he. Hmm. They will always call, you, call each other Sue. Hmm. And then the most, the thing that really blew up my mind when I read it a few, uh, a few weeks ago, adults in, uh, uh, call children Small children, toddlers, always with Sue. 
huh. even their own parents. But they will switch to he once the child has reached a certain age. It, it, it varies between six, six and 15 years old. Wow. So and, and when the child leaves their teens, they will turn back to Sue. Oh. Except possibly the parents. Not always. That is very, very interesting. See, the thing is, like, I have a little bit of experience with even non, non European languages that have this, this sort of, uh, formal and familiar U distinction. And all the cases that I know of, it's always sort of a case of you use the formal form with someone with more power or, or older than you. Yeah, here it's it's it's, it's kind of uh, uh, the opposite way. The There's... marked form is for people who are like you, yeah. and anybody who's not like you, you use the unmarked form. Usually, yeah. Usually, I see usted or Chinese nin or or um, uh, Tagalog kayo is like for people who are your elders or uh, superior to you. Like, there's exceptions. I don't know about French, but in Spanish, you do sometimes use usted with um, people who are in service positions, like someone you're calling tech support or something. But it's like a distance, yeah. But that's that's an emotional distance distinction yeah. as well. But I haven't heard of really this kind of symmetry. That's a really interesting thing, and a really interesting way you can think of uh, culture affecting language too. Yeah. A last example, which I think will uh, uh, blow what's left of people's mind at this point, <laughs> is uh, uh, husband and wife, except in a few cases, will always use su to towards each other. So the, the unmarked one, even if they used to call each other's he before they, were, they got married. Wow. Basically, uh, the, the idea is that the role of husband and wife in a marriage are different enough that you can't call, the, call yourselves uh, as living, uh, as being basically the same anymore, even if you did that before getting married. Huh. That's really interesting. <laughs> and yeah. weird coming from, like, the European perspective. Yeah, it's, it's this... And the important, the, the funny part about this uh, he-su dist distinction, despite all the complication, despite the fact that you need to use the, the allocutive forms when you call somebody he uh, on the verbs, mandatorily, which can get quite hairy, this distinction is productive. It's, it doesn't show any form of leveling out except in some urban areas. Hmm. But in the rest of the Basque country, they, they keep on using it. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> so I think, uh, last, I think maybe we can talk a little bit about, uh, syntax and, and maybe do it with a, a few other, uh, n extra notes. Uh, we are, we, we are getting into a, a little bit of a long episode, but I think we, we want to cover as much as we can. So, and I think, I think the language deserves it because it's really, yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's a gold mine for, uh, for any conlanger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's Definitely. really, it's, and, and it's not that far, at least for European conlangers. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, nearly at your do doorstep. <laughs> 
you have you have people in in Spain or France they could probably actually take a uh, a train or or drive to Basque Country and hear it. <laughs> yes, basically they could. So yes, syntax. There is well, once again, it's uh, it all blows my mind how Basque does things. Uh, Basque can be called head final, but it's not strictly head final. Mm-hmm. The first, well, let's go quickly through the the noun phrase syntax, which is already weird. You've got your head noun, and you've got noun modifiers. And uh, the noun modifiers, which are basically complex, which are basically uh, genitive phrases or those uh, um, phrases in, which end in co, or uh, relative uh, relative uh, uh, clauses, go in front of uh, of the head noun. So that's nice head final. Adjectives, on the other hand, go after, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except for. S- some uh, adjectives like uh, cardinal numbers above three, mm-hmm. uh, adjectives in dun, like euskaldun, which means uh, Basque for a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's probably, that may be because those adjectives may be simplifications of relative uh, 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 subclauses. And the adjective beste, which means other, goes in front. The rest goes after the noun. <laughs> so. It's, so, this, so, so if you, yeah, basically, this is not you, necessarily uncommon for different modifiers of a noun to be in in various different locations. But the weird part is that the heavy modifiers precede the head noun, and the usually light modifiers follow it. That's that's a little unusual. Yeah, I will say. Yeah, you can actually put heavy modifiers after the noun, but that's considered marked. It's emphatic. Hmm. And you okay. see it only in poetry, mostly. And then the funny part about Basque is that all those case endings, they don't go after the head noun unless the head noun is the last part of the noun phrase. <laughs> they always go after the last part of the noun phrase. If it's an adjective, it, it will go after that adjective. Oh, okay. So I can give you an example. If you take uh, uh, Gison, which means man, and Sahar, which means old, and let's put it in the uh, definitive, definite singular uh, dative case, which ends uh, in this case will be Ari. You have Gisonari means uh, to the man. Mm-hmm. But if you say to the, you want to say to the old man, you say Gison Saharari. You put the ending on the adjective only. Ah, okay. This extends to uh, coordinated phrases if they share exactly the same endings. I have an example that I actually uh, found uh, uh, on internet. That was, it means basically, it's a benefactive in this case, for my father and mother, that's nire aita eta amarensat. Nire is just uh, my, it's again uh, uh, ni in the genitive, but aita is father, undeclined, eta means uh, uh, end. Amarensat is ama, mother, with the ending ensat, which is the benefactive. And that benefactive goes to the father and the mother. So I guess you could think of this as 
possibly like a clitic ending in this case. Yes, except it, it, that except that uh, a lot of uh, analyses have been done and studies have shown that those are truly bound morphemes. They are not know. clitics. Okay, so it, I'm just saying that because the behavior seems very much like the English possessive clitic. It 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 it's it looks similar. Uh, this uh, but. With coordinated noun phrases, it's only optional. It looks, it 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 does look slightly like lytics, but a lot of studies have been done that have, to me, proven that they are really bound morphemes. Okay. So that's basically uh, about uh, uh, noun phrase syntax, syntax. That's uh, that's some of the things that Basque does that are that are quite different from uh, the languages you may know, especially languages that have declensions. Mm-hmm. Um, verbal syntax does all kinds of weird things as well. You will see people call Basque SOV. Well, mm-hmm. it, in some case of neut- neutral uh, order, you could call Basque SOV, but the verb can be nearly in any position. It can move around. It's basically, uh, Basque is uh, uh, a topic prominent language, not a subject prominent language like English, but really, uh, it, it's really a topic, topic, uh, uh, comment language like, uh, Japanese. It's, by the way, just mm-hmm. as pro drop as Japanese is. So it can, it can drop any argument. That cannot be, basically. uh, handled by context. Yes. But the, really the corner, cornerstone of a close syntax in Basque is what, uh, what the Basque called the, uh, the Galdegaya, which basically is, is the focus. Uh, what the focus is, some, it's kind of difficult to, uh, it's easiest to, uh, to understand if you're, uh, looking at sentences as answers to questions. Basically, the focus is that answer. What you're ans- uh, what you're answering. So, uh, if you say uh, John gave uh, Mary an apple, and you say uh, who gave Mary an apple, then John is the focus. If you if that's a question, is that sentence is an answer to who did John give an apple to? Then Mary is the focus. You see what I mean? Right. Well, the Basque sentence is built around the focus. The focus is the one mm-hmm. most important piece of the Basque clause, basically. It's, it has to be put just in front of the verb, and nothing can come between the focus and the verb, not even a breath. Huh. It's wow. a, it's, it has to be a, a phonological unit. Anything can be, anything can be focus, noun phrase, adverb, subclause, anything can be focused. The need for a focus is so strong that synthetic verbs cannot appear initially and at, fr- at the front of a clause. There has to be something in front, a focus. If, the, if for some reason the, sent- the clause has no focus, which can happen, you have to put a prefix ba on the verb. Oh. Yeah. So that tells you how important that focus position in, in, is in Basque. But otherwise, the, the verb can move. You can move the verb nearly at the front and full, and all the less important uh, elements put them after the verb. Uh, so long subclauses typically go after the verb, so it's not very strictly SOV. Uh, so only the focus has to be uh, in front of the verb, and the topic has to be even more in front if it's there, but the topic can often be omitted. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And last thing, which we, is really the one of the weirdest thing I've seen, but 
such uh, asymmetries happen, um, negative sentences move that completely around. Negative mm. sentences of t are typically verb initial, but only the auxiliary. Okay. The auxiliary with, the, so, with the, the mark for the negative sentence, which is S, which means basically not, will be uh, the first part of the, of the clause. Unless there's a topic, then it will go in front. Then will come what's usually called the quasi-focus, which is kind of a focus, but not yet, not exactly. Then the non-finite verb for, form, if it's there. And then only the rest of the, of, of, uh, the non-phrases, adverbs and such. Okay, so topic negative auxiliary uh some other elements a quasi focus and then the verb the non finite verb yeah and then the rest <laughs> yeah that's interesting so the negative sort of attracts the auxiliary yeah, yeah it's it, actually called um, the auxiliary att attraction rule <laughs> yeah that reminds me of a rule in tagalog where um it does normally in Tagalog, subject pronouns come at the end of a sentence, but um, the negative particles Hindi and Wala attract the focus pronouns. So yeah. that's sort of a similar. Phenomenon yes, it's going uh, on. it's uh, as I said, it's not a noun for uh, negative sentences to not be completely symmetric compared to uh, uh, to uh, affirmative sentences. I mean, English is like is like that. English uses an auxiliary in uh, negative sentences that it doesn't need to use in uh, affirmative sentences. Oh yeah, do support. Yeah. Um, and well, you use it, it attaches to the auxiliary. Uh, if you have no auxiliary, you need do support. Yeah. That's that's, uh, that's one of the odder features of English, in my opinion. But yeah, it's it's such um, odd uh, features for negative sentences is not unknown. It's just that every language does it as in its own way. That's mm -hmm. fun. Yes, it's uh, definitely an opportunity for conlangers to get creative. Yeah. And there are, you have a few other notes, but um, I think that we really do want to wrap up this episode. If, if, if I may quickly, just uh, one last thing before. I've, I'll, I, uh, yeah. If people look at the note, they will see, and, and as, as the links that you will know, uh, uh, give naturally, that finite subclauses in, uh, uh, in Basque are formed with affixes on the verb. Yeah, yes. basically, basically, uh, you have also a lot of non-finite subclauses, sub, non sub but you have quite a lot of those finite subclauses. One is quite interesting that the N, which forms uh, relative subclauses, that N mm -hmm. has uh, basically, when you have a relative subclause, it behaves like any other non-modifier, which means that it can be nominalized. Like I explained before that when you have an, uh, uh, a genitive, you can nominalize it by adding the article to it. So, uh, nirea, uh, from nire, which means my, you say nirea, mine, uh, Bilbo Koak, the inhabitants of Bilbao. You can do that with, uh, uh, relative subclauses as well. That's, I, I like that. I have done similar things in conlangs before to nominalize, um, Relative clauses. So I, that's an interesting. Yeah, I had the example of senarra duen emakumea, which means uh, the woman who has a husband. Senarra means the uh, husband. Duen is uh, uh, du, which means uh, uh, she has it. 
basically with all the marking, mm -hmm. and the N is the uh, the mark of the uh, relative uh, um, the relative mark. You can make it into Senara Duena, which means the one who has a hus husband, or Senara Duenak, the ones who have a husband. Yeah, she who has yeah, a husband. Yeah, for instance, or, or the like one that. who has a yeah. husband. This is so common that uh, it can result in new uh, lexemes or even in new pronouns in Basque. There is the, that pronoun, dena, which means uh, everyone, everything, or all, which is basically uh, uh, da, which is the third person singular um, uh, form of to be. It is uh -huh. put in the uh, relative form, den, which means uh, who is or what is, and you make dena, what there mm -hmm. is, basically. That has become because so you that it has become pronoun meaning everyone, everything, all. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, this this is really a, a, a gold mine, as I said, not only in the morphology but the syntax has a lot of interesting interesting things happening. Yeah, it seems almost like you need to have this is not something you just sit down and do it in a weekend. This is something that you almost need to pack a. You know, a pink basket or two for the road because it's yeah, quite an the, excursion. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the book that I really advise to people, which is, uh, uh Rudolf de Reich's, uh, standard Basque a progressive grammar, which is actually unfinished because he died before he could finish it, is, oh. but, uh, it has been taken over and there's a lot of things, uh, added, uh, were a lot of, of, uh, work that he had done that has been added since then. But it's it's still unfinished. There's no there's uh, no uh, uh, chapter about idioms, uh, despite the fact that he wanted to do one. But that grammar, which is really in English, that's basically if you want to read only one grammar about Basque, you need to read that one. It's fourteen hundred and five pages. Wow. Hmm. Uh, well, that's actually not that surprising for a, a grammar of a well studied. Yeah. Uh, natural language. It's, the, it, the nice part, it's got uh, plenty of examples and glosses. Yes, the less nice, nice part is that those glosses are at the end of the book. Well, I think wrapping up, I think uh, I would like to thank you, Christoph, for coming yes, on, especially for putting up with my <laughs> troubles okay. and, uh, and staying up. You're staying up a little <laughs> bit late. It's, it's, not, it's, to, it's, to oh, it's not too bad. It's only uh, a quarter to one. In the in the yeah, night, so it's it's. Uh, I'm usually not in bed before that time, so it's okay. I think you've uh, you've rekindled <laughs> my desire to do a uh, ergative absolutive language, and I definitely might take a look at those uh, paraphrastic formations that Basque has because they look really interesting. It 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 is quite fun. It's uh, it's uh, like I said, it's really a gold mine. It it Basque is the is the one language that inspired me to do things differently from what I had been doing so far, and made me go in a really different way. My uh, the conlang I'm mostly working on nowadays, Moten, is well to say that it's inspired by Basque is uh, is actually uh, a bit of an understatement. It's it uh, it has espoused Basque, it has raped Basque, it has retaken everything it could from Basque. Until Basque could uh, could do nothing but uh, give give up in despair, 
it's uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I really love that language. That's so, that's why I'm sorry if it became a bit of a one man show with me no. uh, doing the talking, but <laughs> I'm, I'm really enthusiastic oh, about that language. That, that, that's great. You know much more about the language than yeah. we do. Um, and I'm still uh, consider myself quite a beginner in Basque. Yeah, uh, we, we were going to have someone else that has a special interest in Basque on, but she didn't show up. Bianca was going to be on, uh, but, uh, she had other, uh, issues to, to deal with, so she wasn't able to come on. But to, uh, close this out, we could probably go on and on <laughs> more yeah. about Basque. Yeah, because I'm sure, Christoph, you could, you could, you could talk much more. But we can't yeah. be recording for 10 minutes. No, that's, that's, that's so, right. But uh, people really need to look at the language and not only morphology, syntax, but there are also uh, quite a lot of fun things to find in the vocabulary. Basque has, a, has yes. a, uh, some kind of weird uh, vocabulary quirks, a vigesimal uh, counting system. Uh, it's ex- a very, very, very rich derivational system. Plus a very yeah. rich compounding system. I would almost wonder if so. Basque has a vigesimal number system. Is, is does it look sort of like it originated that way? Um, well, it has. It has. Uh, well, it 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 has uh, a decimal system until twenty, then moves uh, to vigesimal until one hundred. Okay. Then uh, for the hundreds goes back. Uh, um, Decimal, but that's basically simply because it uh, originally Basque didn't have any number above uh, 100, and it mm-hmm. uh, borrowed the rest from the surrounding uh, languages. It has uh, a, a thousand is mila, which is quite obviously borrowed from Latin, and uh, it's uh, and those languages were mostly decimal. Okay. Well, uh, I think. Um... I, I just, I, I just think I, I might, uh, look into that to see which direction influence went, because I understand that French is partially vegesimal yeah. as well, but it, it looks like it's sort of, uh, a later invention with, with, um, sort of, uh, complex forms for some reason. Yeah, but Basque but, is, uh, is often given as a reason why, for instance, French has pa- a partially vegesimal system, or why uh, Spanish doesn't have uh, uh, voiced fricatives, or why Spanish, for instance, has two uh, two rotics, a flap and a trill, because Basque mm-hmm. has them all. But uh, and so a lot of people want to say, well, that's because Basque is there and it has all those features and it had as uh, it behaved as a substrate uh, uh, to to those changes in those um, uh, Romance languages. But those. Uh, basically, those theories don't add up when you look at it. It's, mm. uh, it could just be something that developed in, it, in the it, area. It could be, but even then, you, uh, as far as we understand, there's, the Basque didn't have that much influence. They've always been confined to that area around the Pyrenees and have not been uh, in, con- in contact, yeah, you, you, you see aerial features with the languages around Basque, especially Gascon has a lot of similarities with Basque in terms of phonology. But, but that's basically it. The rest, it's, uh, it, it looks more like coincidences or indeed long range mm-hmm. aerial effects. 
but Basque as a substrate for a lot of those changes that just doesn't add up. Yeah. Well, I think that that could lead us into a whole yes. other discussion that would go to a whole other hour of podcasting, but we really should wrap up. So I'm going to just close <laughs> out uh, our next episode. Huh? Mike? Mike? Okay. <laughs> yeah? Mike started to say something. Oh, um, no, I was just saying that it's been really great hearing all this. Um, we do have to wrap up this soon, but, um, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I kind of want to go out and check Basque out, but it looks really, really daunting, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, any natural language that has good documentation is going to be a bit of a huge thing, but I'm just going to close out with the, uh, our next podcast we are going to be talking about face it's much more of a cultural topic but it has interesting uh, effects on language and uh william should be back for that one and uh as for everything else i'd just l- like to thank christoph and mike for talking with me and i'm going to say happy conlang thank you for listening to conlangery you can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a conlang or natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device. Music